It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks. I'm Kim Munson. And uh, yes, we are dissecting news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, we must have these conversations. Be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. And sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And uh, I'm the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. And Americhicks is encompassing all of you liberty-loving women out there and all you Ameridudes also that uh, that love this whole American idea. And uh, I offer a conservatarian perspective. Uh, very pleased to have in studio and hope that it's going to be a regular event. And that is Stephen Kessler, one of my favorite millennials. You have your Ph.D., and higher education from the University of Rochester. It's great to have you here, Stephen. Thank you for the introduction, and it's great to be here, as always. You know, uh, every time after you're on the show, people reach out and they're like, how can I, you know, find more of the things that he's writing about? So where can people find you? Sure. Uh, I have a fair amount of stuff published on the Vogelin View, which is pronounced, which is spelled V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N, View, V-I-E-W dot com. The Conservative Online, which is... Acre, the Alliance of Conservative Reformists in Europe's website, and you can find me and LinkedIn, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R. Okay, great. And that's a great way for people to communicate with you as well on LinkedIn, yeah? Sure, yeah. Great. Tell us just a little bit about your story. It's a fascinating story how you ended up, you know, publishing all of these amazing things. So what's your story? Sure. So, um, you know, I'm in my mid-20s, and I'm not really sure what I want to do with the rest of my life. As a second act, my father is a professor at the business school, the Simon School at the University of Rochester, and he wasn't really in the trenches at the university. So he recommended that I, you know, I go on for a graduate degree in higher education administration because there's a university in every part of every country, and it could be like a vocational kind of a trade school type of degree where it would lead to an end. I get there, and it's my first experience with far-left leftism, you know, far left liberalism. And it didn't click. It it was nothing they said made sense to me. It was all of this society blaming. No one was responsible for their own portion. Everyone was trying to blame society. And they had all these facile arguments, which a facile argument is one where you leave out a key detail or two to make your argument nice and tidy. So you can, <laughs> you know, kind of conveniently make it up. And, um, I noticed that I then concurrently stumbled by complete accident into a book by a guy named Robert Nisbet called The Sociological Tradition. Nisbet clearly defined liberalism, conservatism, what they mean, where they come from, and it made a lot of sense. I mean, the book, he really blew my mind, made a ton of sense. Combined with some other personal experiences, I, I got hooked. You know, and I just became obsessed with the whole thing, the whole liberal conservative tradition, and here we are today. Oh, man. Uh, Steve, you had a comment? Uh, You know, I need to clarify. We have Stephen Kessler, and then we have Steve, the producer. So, Steve, the producer. 
I just got a kick, you know, based on some of the sound bites that we're going to be playing here shortly. The leaving out a detail or two. <laughs> wow, Kamala Harris needs to talk to you. Well, and you know what? That's that's one of our goals in this hour. We want this to be an hour, a unique hour for all of you that you tune in, and that there's some tidbits, some nuggets of wisdom that you can take away every morning. I would say we're off to the races on this with facile argument where you leave out some key pieces so that your argument is nice and tidy. Another thing that the last time that you were here, you you said that you realized when you were at the University of Rochester that the, you weren't liked, but you weren't quite sure why. You know, what was that exactly? Oh, sure, sure. So there was a certain hostility to me there. I didn't know anyone from a hole in the wall. And then as I went on through the, you know, through my course studies, I I began to learn why. Because I'm white, I'm male, I'm able-bodied, I'm cisgendered, heterosexual. What's cisgendered? Cisgendered is binary gendered. Male, female. You don't, you know, conform to gender fluid, gender new. So gender you mean you're neutral. a boy? Yep. <laughs> Aha. Okay. Yeah. And I represented all that was bad in the world to them. I am reasonably physically fit, reasonably like normal looking, reasonably attractive. And I represented all that was wrong to them in the world. And that, you know, created a certain hostility. And what you have so to... So you're a straight Caucasian male. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty okay. much. And so what you have to understand is that one of the main moral foundations for liberalism is equity. And they want to, you know, they want to make the world an equitable place. And what they do is they try to take things away from people. And I've talked about this before on the show, mm -hmm. that when it's not about me rising, but you falling, it's not about me winning, but you losing. And it's not about me having what it is that you have, but you not having it at all. That's the hallmark of the emotion of envy. And that they've basically weaponized this envy. And the reason it's really envy-based is because of the phrase predicated on power structure. I'm not sure if you've heard that before. It's, no. Sure. So um, I wrote a piece for the American thinker called Predicated on Power Structure, okay. Understanding the Most Important Phrase in Social Justice. So one of the moral foundations of liberalism, equity. They want the world to be an equitable place. They believe that people are equals and that they want to return our natural equity that was corrupted by society. So I have a nice quote from a guy named Murray Jardine here. Um, basically, I'm going to get to it in a second. Um, if you read Richard Weaver's book, Ideas Have, Con Have Consequences, it's one of the landmark conservative tomes. Um, it's up there with Russell Kirk's The Conservative Mind. It's not nearly as good, but it it's like a landmark book. Um, Weaver says that beginning with the, uh, the Middle Ages, there was a guy named William of Oakham, and he had this philosophy called nominalism, where everything is really subjective. Everything in the world is largely predicated on my unique, personal, individual experience. And that combined with the liberal moral foundation of equity, it means that there is no truth, there is no order, there is no objectivity. It's all just a matter of perspective. So relativism. I mean, yes, we, we, yes. this is what this was. Yeah, moral relativism. Okay. Sure. And so I'm going to read this little quote. Um, the concept of, the concept, uh, the collapse of the idea of neutral, purely objective knowledge. Any set of rules inevitably privileges certain groups or ways of life, which in turn has led to the despairing conclusion that since reality is ultimately only a chaos of subjective interpretations, no true knowledge is possible. 
So this is really this is really kind of a basis for liberalism, the, the, the modern liberalism, progressivism that we're talking about right now in America. Yes. Yes. OK. And there's there's one more one more little line to it. Everything is merely subjective and a matter of per, and a matter of perspective, including facts and knowledge. Therefore, because no true knowledge is possible, the only way to establish order, truth and structure in human societies is, quote unquote, by force, by power. Aha, so freedom versus force. Sure, and I'm going to give you two, one, one like real concrete example okay. that'll really understand why social justice believes that the phrase predicated on power structure is necessary. So feminists believe in the patriarchy, that we have this you know, structure that favors men at the expense of women. And one of these norms, meaning the enduring standards, is that a man excuse me, who sleeps around, gets a lot of women, that's a, is a stud. That's, <clears throat> pardon my indigestion here on the that, radio. That's okay, it's early in the morning here. Yeah. So. so a man who sleeps with a lot of women is a stud, and it's an admirable quality for men. However, a woman who does the same, it's a bad quality for her. So they say, the feminists say, arbitrary social construct, nonsense predicated on power. Men are bigger than women, and we force them into these norms. The conservatives, on the other hand, say that society is the accumulated wisdom of our ancestors. Through trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, we do what we do, not out of arbitrary social constructs, but because biology, history, and this is what works and what doesn't. So men have an unlimited supply of sperm, and biologically speaking, can never know if they're the father of a child. Therefore, men look to reproduce widely. Women, on the other hand, when they have sex, it leads to a baby which means the consequences are very severe for women, unlike men. Therefore, men need, women need to be very selective with whom they reproduce. Therefore, they look to reproduce wisely. And that's where a norm like that comes from. Whereas Now, you're talking about just the basic human nature kind of thing. Yeah, right? the human condition. Yeah. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. The liberals will say, predicated on power structure, everything is nonsense. And because men are bigger and stronger than women, they force them into these roles. Conservatives say, nope, there's biology, there's reason behind it, it's not random crap, it's, it's got meaning. So they will say it's predicated on power structure. So that's the theory. So now when the rubber meets the road, the big three of social justice are privilege, cultural appropriation, and racism. And they say they're quote-unquote predicated on power structure, which means that a woman cannot be, what's the word, um, not misogyny. What's the opposite of misogyny? Uh, I don't know, but 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 she can't be that. Yeah, so. a woman can't be a misogynist. A black person cannot be a racist, and anyone that's not a white man cannot appropriate culture. So, because white male privilege, you know, white male racism, all the stuff that white men and to a lesser extent women have, they are only they are capable of these things because it's quote unquote predicated on power structure. Okay. So, Go ahead. We're, oh. we're going to have to go to break here in just a minute. But this is really this is really interesting stuff. But it's a great it's a really a great lie. I sure, mean, yeah. It's a tremendous lie. Mm-hmm. And so when the rubber meets the road, what it means is that if I, a white guy, have dreadlocks, and a woman like a black woman like Candace Owens has blonde highlights, because quote unquote predicated on power structure, only one of us is appropriating the culture despite the identical act. Right? We're both 
appropriating things that are non-germane to our biological constitution. And so what happens because of predicated on power structure, what that enables her to do is to take them from me without moving up in any way, shape, or form. And what did I say about envy? It's, it, well, it's all... No, tell me. <laughs> it's not about me rising, but oh, you falling. you falling, you losing. It's, it's not about me having it, but you not having it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Social justice is weaponized envy. Okay. Now, the conservative um, view of male-female relationships is not one of, of power, you know, predicated on power, but it's one that's based on the family. Correct. We've talked about that. And so... Whereas men and, and women are, are really, I think, they bring different things to a relationship, but in essence, there's an equality in it. I think about my, my grandfather and my grandmother. Uh, my grandfather was, was certainly the patriarch of the family. But yet, um, my grandmother was also, uh, she was a very strong woman as well. But they were able to come together, and they, they created a family. And in essence, in my generation, there were 24 grandchildren. So, Wow. So that's a lot of grandchildren. Um, the meaning of marriage has changed fundamentally since the Enlightenment, really. Um, you know what? Let's, we're going to need to go to break on that. This conversation is so awesome. We're talking with Stephen Kessler, who's one of my favorite millennials. He has his Ph.D. in higher education from the University of Rochester, and he's here as my co-host today. We've got a lot of material to get through here, Stephen, but ideally we're going to try to get it so that you are on at least once a month with us because Great. I know people really, really enjoy that. Before we do that, though, uh, men and women are are different. That's true. And, um, you know, one of uh, our sponsors is Hooters Restaurants. And it is uh, playoff season. And, in fact, it's the Super Bowl this weekend. And the question is where you can watch the game. Hooters is a great place, of course. They're your game day headquarters. Uh, specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. You can come into any Hooters restaurant during the big game and enter to win a brand-new 55-inch HDR TV. And did you know that you can have Hooters wings delivered right to your doorstep? They have these great new smoked wings. They smoke them overnight. They're delicious and only half the calories. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And be sure and let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. 
Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have these conversations. Check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails, and uh, I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And uh, I'm the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. We have in studio with us as our co-host, Meridude, I would say. That's Stephen Kessler. has his Ph.D., Higher Education, University of Rochester. That, that was quite a segment. I tell you what, there's so many nuggets of uh, wisdom there that people are, you know, if, if they're not driving, they're writing down all kinds of stuff. So that was great stuff. Great. Yeah, thanks. I'm passionate and happy to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, we're changing gears just a little bit. We have on the line with us Susan Kochevar. She is the owner of the oldest drive-in theater here in Colorado, the 88 Drive-In Theater. She is an entrepreneur, and she's a, a great partner of uh, the Americhicks as well. So welcome, Susan Kochevar. Good morning, Kim. How you doing? Uh, not too bad. I'm down here in Florida for a drive-in convention. So it's not like, let me just tell you, Susan, uh, Bob from Michigan had texted me this morning. It was a negative 8 there with a uh, 26 below wind chill. What's it like in Florida this morning? Ooh, it's a little cooler. It's supposed to be about 57 today, a little overcast, but um, balmy compared to those temperatures. Yeah, no polar vortex there, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, last week, you know, The Hill is is a very respected, you know, a national publication in Washington, D.C., talking about all kinds of things that's going on, you know, back there, big, big, big things. And my gosh, there was this story. I'm reading it, and all of a sudden, it's like you are highlighted in this story regarding women entre- entrepreneurs. I'm like, wow, I know her. Let's talk about that just a little bit. So what, you know, what happened? How, how'd that happen? Well, I've been working with Job Creators Network, and they've been helping tiny businesses like mine get the message out and to help educate the public so that we can get some better policies, hopefully. So they've been setting up some interviews, and uh, this was one of the interviews that I did with The Hill talking about, you know, all of the economic growth that we've had and how the tax cuts and uh, the behind-the-scenes cutting of the regulations has really helped take off our economy and help small business. Uh, Of course, the Democrats are threatening to roll all of that back and increase regulations, and that will just strangle us. Well, yeah, so there's been a lot of good work over the last couple of years uh, within the Trump administration. So I I think I hear you saying that you've seen a rollback on rules and regulations, and it has really helped small businesses, which, you know, Susan, small businesses are the engine that drives, you know, the economy of America. Yes, there are more small businesses than anything. And as of January 2017, there were 11.6 million women-owned businesses uh, you know, these tax cuts have helped women start businesses and minorities start businesses. They are good for everybody when we get the tax cuts and the regulations down so there's not such a huge barrier to entry. And uh, Senator Sanders two weeks ago introduced a bill in Congress to raise the minimum wage again to $15, and uh, that will really hurt businesses. That's one of the things I've been 
uh, talking about on these interviews, as you know, in Colorado, we passed that amendment, which raises minimum wage 90 cents for every year. Next year, or until it gets to $12. So this year, it's another 90 cents. And next year, we have yet another 90 cents that we've already lost to small businesses in Colorado. When, when a, a fixed cost like that goes up, you know, you have to cut back somewhere else if you're a small business. You can't uh, get technology. You're too small. So you either cut back products, you cut back staff, you cut back hours, and that really hurts entry-level jobs. I mean, it just goes on and on. Well, and as a small business person, when you do those cutbacks, uh, you know, you're running a small business is not a 40 hour a week, uh, you know, work week with with all, you know, all the holidays off. And so when you have to think about you're looking at your bottom line and cutting costs and maybe you, you do let an employee go, who who picks up that slack? Well, it's typically the owner, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You have to make up all the other jobs. Um Anytime you own a small business, and all the small business owners out there listening will, will understand when I say this, you're never very far from it. You're always thinking about, you know, what you're going to do next, um, what tasks you have to do, uh, how you can expand it, how you can improve it. You're just never very far away from it. it you know, it's really becomes part of your life. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting that you say that my neighbor across the street uh, has a small business. And sometimes I, I, I think it's in a way it's almost a subtle race on um, whether or not he's going to start his car at 430 before I leave for this, the studio or who, you know, who's, whose car starts earlier. Because, I mean, I've heard him start his car 430 every morning for years. And it's because he's a small business and then he rolls in, you know, later in the evening. And uh, but yet he's. He's creating jobs. He's taking care of his family, uh, but there's a, a lot involved with the small business. Now, let's let's go over to the Hill um, article. But that was specifically about women entrepreneurs, and I think that you you hit on that a little bit. But these policies, when they're helping uh, lift all boats, and Stephen Kessler, who's here with us, uh, said that, that that progressivism isn't so much as lifting people up, but taking away what others have. And um, so with these these policies, though, that Trump has put in place, it's not just lifting, you know, a, a Caucasian straight male's business. It's cre- as you said, it's uh, lifting uh, women, uh, minorities. So talk just a little bit more about that, Susan. Well, sure. When you um, have lots of regulations and lots of different types, of very expensive licensures, uh, it's very hard for someone who has an idea to take that first step and open a business. And then often they open the business and they find they, they run up against some regulation or other and they're fined and shut down before they ever even get going. Uh, a lot of the regulations, once you get into business, force you to take on too much debt and that's unsustainable. I think that's one of the reasons why so many small businesses fail right out of the gate. And, you know, we always use the example of the gal who is, you know, she's living in a low-income area and she's fantastic at hair braiding, but she can't just go out and charge for hair braiding. First, she has to have a license, which requires lots of schooling, expensive schooling she can't afford. Then she has to put her children in daycare while that's happening, try to feed herself. There's just so many things that that happen along that way then she has to get a business license and probably be inspected somewhere and those inspection rules are often arbitrary and the inspectors aren't people who are actually doing the job 
Susan, and, and to that point, I've always thought this was so interesting, is rules and regulations, they really stifle people being able to go out and uh, create a job, create income for themselves. So if that same woman does hair braiding for free for other people, she doesn't have to go through all this licensing and everything. I mean, it's the same action. But once yes. she actually receives some money for the value, she receives some value, a trade in value, then that's when government comes in and says, wait a minute. You know, we want a cut of that action. We want a, um, we're going to put rules and regulations to tell you how you can and cannot do your business. And so in essence, it stifles her doing that. But if she does it for free, doesn't receive any income, doesn't receive any value, then they say that's okay. I mean, I've always thought that that was the weirdest thing. So we've about, got about a couple of, uh, one or two minutes. Go ahead and comment on that. It's true. And a lot of it's done in the name of safety or, you know, to inform the public. But uh, I think one of the worst parts of licensure is that it makes people more unsafe. Instead of doing a little bit of investigation about the person they're going to do business with, they just assume this person has a license and so they're government inspected and the government's going to make sure I'm safe. But that's not what we see happening. You know, you, you should really look at the doctor that you're going to and look to see what his reviews are and perhaps what medical school he went to and what the reviews are of that medical school. Does the doctor make a lot of money? I don't want to go to a doctor who doesn't make money because he's bad at what he does, you know. So it, it makes things more unsafe for people, and, and that's... Um, it's tragic sometimes. Yeah, you're right. There's a false sense of security, and people don't do their homework. For example, uh, the woman that does my hair, I'm sure she has a license, but that's not the reason I go to her. I go to her because she, uh, she does a good job. She was recommended to me. And so we don't need all of these licenses and rules and regulations. In fact, we had uh, a show earlier in the week with Karen Levine and uh, David Barber and Elizabeth Peets. Uh, and Karen and David are both realtors with Remax. We were talking about, you know, housing and, and uh, making it affordable. And both uh, Karen and David said that housing, the cost of housing, 28% of the cost of a new house is because of rules and regulations. If we want to get serious about affordable housing, let's start rolling that kind of stuff back. But Susan, we're going to have to jump here. Now, you're going to be in next Tuesday with me as my guest chick co-host. So we'll be able to unpack uh, a lot more of this, and uh, great having you here, and enjoy Florida. Sounds fun. Thank you very much. I will. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks, Susan. Yeah, and uh, thanks, Stephen. And on the line with us is Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management. And Jason, yesterday, Apple announced their earnings. What What were they? Well, they were pretty good, but first, I need to address something that I just heard on your show that I think is a tremendous injustice. Okay. How can it be so nice in Florida and 28 <laughs> degrees below in Michigan? I think I think Michigan needs to take some of Florida's weather. We need redistribution of weather, just like redistribution of wealth, because that's not fair. 
Jason, that is absolutely priceless. Um, I'd like I say, hey, hey, listeners out there, there's always going to be these nuggets, and I can think that we've had at least five already. That is priceless. So we need to redistribute the temperature from Michigan to Florida. I love it, Jason. So that's right. That's right. So it's equal. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. Well, shall we talk a little bit about Apple earnings yesterday? Sure. Yeah. Everybody else is. I might as well get my. Uh, uh, piece in there too. So yeah, Apple uh, beat uh, the earnings estimates by for the quarter by a penny, uh, but these were the estimates that had already been reduced tremendously. I think their revenues came in a little below, and then they said next quarter uh, the revenues were going to be below uh, the estimates, but it looks like the stock's going to be up about 5% today. Uh, which tells me maybe uh, the market was expecting even worse news out of that. Okay, because I couldn't figure that out. I looked at that. I kind of see. I seen the headline yesterday, and to me, it seemed kind of negative. And then, as I looked at, at it this morning, it looked like the stock price was going to go up. So I, I hadn't quite figured out what that was. So that explains it. Yeah, Thank you. sometimes it's kind of tough. And uh, of course, Apple does a decent amount of business in China. Uh, most of their drop in sales was. Uh, in selling things to China, so if there's hope on this trade deal, that could also be uh, contributing to the to the pop up today. Okay, got that. Now for the balance of the week, this is a big earnings week, right? What else do you yes. expect? Well, I know Amazon's coming out, Microsoft's coming out, I think Exxon's coming out. Uh, you know, interesting today, Boeing came out with earnings before the market, and they were much better than expected. Uh, you know, a lot of folks don't realize Boeing is the biggest weighting in the Dow Jones uh, 30 by far. So when Boeing has a good day, the Dow's probably uh, going to have a good day as well. Okay, well, we'll watch it today, that's for sure. So be sure and check out chickspresidential.com. That is our landing page over there uh, with you, Jason McBride, at Presidential Wealth Management. And obviously, if people want to have another set of eyes on their nest egg, uh, reach out at chickspresidential.com, or that phone number is 303-694-1600. Right, Jason? That is correct. You got it, Kim. Good memory. Uh Aha. Well, you have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, so let's go to break, but fasten your seatbelts before you do because we have Stephen Kessler. In studio, we have a lot to talk about. This was a, a great first segment regarding really progressivism, liberalism, and the difference. Um, but you had uh, texted me. I'd like to get into, first of all, uh, North Korea. Let's talk about that in sure. the, the third segment. And then in the fourth segment, let's talk about the national popular vote versus the Electoral College. Ugh, sure. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. You think? Okay, fasten your seatbelts. We're going to go break. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today, 303-888-2732. Hey, 
Hey, hey, I love that. Let's, let's walk on a little sunshine today. How's that sound, Stephen Kessler? The lyrics really move me. That's great. So, hey, um, this is the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. That's where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, I say it's a conservatarian perspective, uh, and we can talk about that at some point in time. We need to jump in here because this is going to go quickly and fasten your seatbelts. Let's talk about North Korea because you said that there's some things under the radar that we need to be aware of. We need to talk about that. Sure. So they're in the, they're in the news right now, and what became kind of apparent to me was uh, there's a headline, North Korea nuclear, U.S. intelligence reports says regime to keep weapons. And what really dawned on me is less that North Korea's got nukes or they're keeping them, and more that I said, oh, I haven't heard from them in a long time. Mm-hmm. And the reason I haven't heard from North Korea in a long time is because of a very classic argument between liberals and conservatives, appeasement and deterrence. Okay. Now, are you familiar with these terms? I am. Sure. So, as I've said every time I've ever spoken about liberals and conservatives, the most important premise in all liberalism is the natural goodness of man corrupted by society that we're born benevolent, pure and naturally good dot, 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 but we're corrupted by society. The evils in the world come from without via society and that by tinkering with society, we can eradicate evil. Conservatives believe in an ethical dualism, the angel on this shoulder and the devil on this one. And that the devil, you know, our evil inclination is in charge of our unruly passions and appetites, which necessitate restraint. For when the restraints on our passions and appetites are removed, they run amok. So the most famous case of appeasement was with this guy, Neville Chamberlain. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're familiar with Neville Chamberlain. So Neville Chamberlain was the prime minister of England in the late 30s. He had a hostile foreign dictator, and he kept appeasing him. He kept appealing to this guy's natural goodness. He kept meeting him on his terms, catering to him, cozying up to him. And he wanted this guy to know, like, look, we don't want to fight. Nobody wants to fight. No, nobody wants to fight, right? We know that. So the guy that he was appeasing did not take his appeasement to be kindness, but rather weakness. And that man, and, and who, pray tell, was Neville Chamberlain appeasing? Hitler. Hitler. Adolf, you know, Adolf Hitler, one of the worst human beings that's ever roamed the earth. And Hitler did not take Chamberlain's appeasement as kindness, but rather... Weakness. As weakness, correct. And then Hitler took, uh, you know, he, he took Poland, and then he waged war on all of planet Earth. And what year was that? Was that like 1938 or 1939? So he invaded Poland, but then again, didn't Chamberlain uh, do additional p- appeasement, right? Uh, I'm not sure of the entire history of it. Okay. You would have to, um, invasion of Poland, September 1, 1939 to October 6, 1939. Okay. And so basically they go, okay, you can have Poland. Okay, we'll appease you. You can have Poland, but no more. Mm-hmm. No more. Sure. And so the reason he kept doing it, and so that's the, the how. How was Hitler able to take Poland? How was Hitler able to continue his war? Because nobody stood in, stood in the line. Mm-hmm. Nobody said no. But it doesn't answer the why. Why did Hitler do what he did? Why, was he, you know, why did he engage the Holocaust? Why did he wage war on the world? Well, because he thought he could. Yeah, but it, it's it's a simple, simple answer on top of that. Okay, I guess I'm struggling. What is it? Hitler was an evil man. He was an evil, evil, evil man. But in, in liberalism, there is, no, you, there is no evil, right? Correct. There is no evil. There is society. And so the conservatives understood this differently. 
that Hitler was one evil SOB, that he was one of the most evil human beings that have ever roamed the earth, and that, he, and that evil is not introduced from without. But it's within, it's within the heart. It is sewn into the very fabric of our lives. It's, we cannot eradicate it. And so that's why after World War II, after we beat those Nazi krauts, Kennedy said something very different. John F. Kennedy, may he rest in peace, said the following of our, of our you know, interactions with the Soviets. We mustn't dare tempt the Soviets with weakness. And we therefore adopted a very different policy with them. It's called deterrence. We hit the gym. We built up our muscles. We walked around with our shirts off. And we let everyone in the world know that if push comes to shove, we will fight and we are here. And so that's what the... This was JFK. Yeah, yeah. John F. Kennedy, liberal Democrat. May he rest in peace. He understood, quite simply, that you cannot appease evil. That evil is real. And that no amount of nice, you know, playing nice and cozying can ever eradicate it. And so... The reason we haven't heard from the Koreans in a long time. And let's just back up just a little bit, though. So the Soviets decided to challenge him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and he actually, he said, I'm serious. It was the Bay of Pigs, right? Yeah, we had the Bay of Pigs. You know, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. We were on the brink of war. There is no question about it. And, and if and, he hadn't stood strong. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if, we were, if we had looked weak, they would have invaded. I mean, there's no questions about it. The, the Russians are tough. They are very tough people, and that's why they're still here. Okay. Okay, so, so let's go to North Korea then. Sure. And so Obama continually shrunk our military. Obama made a lot. You know, Obama had this fib with, um, what was his name, Bashar al-Assad in Syria. He said, if you guys use chemical weapons, that's the Red line in line. the sand. Yeah, uh-huh. You cross that line, we're coming for you. And guess what? He crossed that line. And guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened because Obama didn't want to do that. He wanted to appease people. He doesn't want the military to be too strong. They think it sends the wrong message. And then guess what happened in North Korea? Again, appeasement. Yeah. They smelled weakness. They did not interpret it as kindness. They didn't think it would make the world go round. So we had missiles flying everywhere. Yeah, and we had missiles. We had rocket man. I mean, we say we. North Korea was shooting missiles everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Trump, Trump was elected. Trump was elected. And what did Donnie say? He said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. If you fat SOBs, you, you want to you threaten my country, you want to threaten my neighbors and friends, you better be prepared for a war because we will bomb you back to the Stone Age. And they knew he would. Well, yeah, but the media went pretty crazy on that, Stephen Kessler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Yeah, the anti-Trump media, the distrustful media. Okay, now let's stop right there. Steve, producer, you just said the anti-Trump media. Uh, But but you've just talked about appeasement with the Nazis, the uh, appeasement or or the the deterrence of JFK, which prevented the the, uh, Russians uh, attacking. And uh, so I kind of have to question that that now we have – so we have – North Korea, they are shooting missiles everywhere under Obama. Trump comes in and says, not under my watch. The media goes crazy. Well, wait a minute. It it looked like if uh, North Korea continued this, this was going to hurt everyday Americans. And Trump comes in and says, no, no, no. I'm taking my job to protect you guys pretty darn seriously. And I just can't quite figure out why the media and the left wing, you know, radical activists don't like that. Don't they like American people? I actually don't think they do. 
I mean, I think that's what it really boils down to is I think that the, the Democratic Party has shown continual and habitual contempt for working class Americans. They have shown con- just continue and habitual disrespect for people who are not far left liberal elitists. But Stephen, you just talked sure. about JFK. And uh, Steve Producer, we've had Brian Dimitrovic on that wrote the book with Larry Kudlow on JFK and the Reagan Revolution about the economics of the uh, of JFK. And um, JFK clearly cared about the American people. He was standing strong. Uh, Steve, Steve Producer, you seem like you have a comment on that. Well, the, you know, the commentary, regard, we keep pulling JFK back into it, and that's wonderful. I mean, because I really think he was... He was good for the country, but that was 50 years ago. So the, he, This sure. is no longer his party, is it? It's apples and oranges. Yeah, no longer. The Democrat Party of JFK uh, no longer exists right now. So, okay, Stephen, take sure. it from there. So, uh, Brian Dmitrovic, he's a professor at um, Sam Houston State. He, uh, he's an economic historian. Brilliant guy. In fact, that's how we met each other. Yeah, yeah. Brian introduced us. Uh, his book was JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity. He's brilliant. He's a great human being. Brian, Brian's awesome. Everybody should check his book out. That's for sure. Uh, but, but we're talking about JFK. It was, it was a different Democrat party than what we're seeing now. Yeah. He cared about American people. Yeah, they're moving further and further and further left, and it's getting more and more radical. Um, so basically, Thomas Sowell refers to this, I've mentioned this on the show, as the vision of the anointed, that these people have eaten from the tree of knowledge and... Aha! They are now in possession of super secret, secret, special knowledge that us idiots lack. And we need to get out of their way, excuse me, and let them run the country. We need to get out of the way and let them implement their genius plans that we don't have. Wow. Okay. We're going to have to go to break in just a minute. Let's, let's wrap this up, though, regarding North Korea and Trump. I think we've pretty well hit that. But, but he gets elected. It's only been two years. He gets elected. He says, not on my watch. And, uh, and the North Koreans thought he was serious. And that's the difference between deterrence and appeasement. Your final thought on this, and then we'll go to a break and then talk about the popular vote and electoral college. So final thought on this. Sure. So human nature is constant. Human nature is not progressing. We in the present are not superior to previous ages. We are the same. And that all of the permanent things of that time, all of the permanent fixtures of our time, they will always come up and evil is always going to be one of them. So that is one of the things that then and really the founders believed that that uh, each of us, each generation has to fight these things within ourselves because um, there is good and evil out there. And each generation has to fight that instead of this progressing into uh, being, quote unquote, something better and better. As we progressed into the uh, 20th century, which was uh, there was World War One, World War Two. It is clear that uh, we did not progress to be better. In fact, there were more people killed under these socialist communist regimes than had ever been killed um, in in the context of human uh, history. So let, let's go to break. Stephen Kessler, fascinating information. Uh, you have your PhD, higher education from University of Rochester. You are an accomplished author. You are published in a number of different places. One of the, the number one places is the Vogelin View. That's V-O-E-G-L-I-N View. Dot com, but a great place that people can get all the, that information is your LinkedIn page, which is Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Kessler. Uh, we're going to go to break. Um, there's this, uh, it's, let's see, it is Senate Bill 19042. And just to explain that, 
here in Colorado, if it is a bill that is being introduced by the Senate, it's going to say Senate Bill or SB, and then it's going to have the year. So in this case, it's Senate Bill 19, and then it's going to have a number. And that is 042. So SB 19042, it is this um, this bill that's working its way through the legislature regarding changing uh, basically Colorado from having our electoral votes and saying that all of our electoral votes will go for the national popular vote, which I think really neuters the electoral college. The electoral college was something that was very brilliant put into the U.S. Constitution. So we're going to talk about that when we come back with Stephen Kessler. Before we do that, we had had uh, uh, Susan Kochevar on talking about entrepreneurship and uh, it's 2019. Chris Cantwell with C- uh, Transworld Business Advisors really cares about entrepreneurship. He is a business broker and uh, he can help you buy or sell your business. So maybe you've worked hard. The kids don't want the business. Chris can help you with that. Or maybe you've recently retired and you'd like to create some cash flow and be your own boss. Chris can help you with that. He is an advocate for entrepreneurship, voluntary exchange of value between individuals, and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. And Chris Cantwell knows that small businesses drive this economic engine of America. So reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary consultation. Uh, and uh, let's see, it is cccellscompanies.com. That is his website, cc, like Chris Cantwell, sellscompanies.com. Let him know that you know the Americhicks. This is Kim Munson. Uh, we'll be right back with Stephen Kessler. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Hey, uh, Steve, producer, do you remember this song? Do you remember when this came out? 1970, either 70 or 71. 70. Yeah, you and I both can remember that song. You weren't even close to born yet, Stephen Kessler. No, I was not. But do you like that song? Yeah, yeah. I actually really like the era too, the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, okay. So, well, now that we got that out of the way, let's jump into something very serious. Stephen Kessler, we have, working its way through the Colorado legislature, Senate Bill 19042, concerning adoption of an agreement among the states to elect the president of the United States by national popular vote. I think this, in effect, 
neuters the Electoral College, which is in the U.S. Constitution. We had posted something about this last week, and I, I had a national popular vote, ended up putting all this information, all this response on, on this Facebook um, post that was done. And they're like, no, 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 this doesn't really neuter the, the Electoral College. We still have that. And I, I'm like, wait a minute. This really does. And it, it may, basically makes the decision on who is elected to president and puts it in the big population centers in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. And my gosh, those states have been doing a really fine job with uh, making sure that the everyday individual is thriving and prospering. So I see danger, danger, danger. What's your thoughts? Sure. So my thought is um, there's a popular phrase called Trump derangement syndrome. And if you're on the Internet enough, you'll see it. It's the fact that Trump... I don't know what it is about Trump, but he pushes people's buttons. He's pretty good at it. Yeah, I've never seen anyone quite so good at getting under people's skin. I, I mean, he, he is he is a genius-level provoker. Well, but the thing about it is, is, is he's provoking the elites. Sure. Because I think he genuinely cares about everyday individuals. And this national popular vote, in essence takes away the voice of, quote-unquote, the minority. The Electoral College was put in the Constitution, in essence, to protect the minority, to protect them from the mob of the majority, where 51% can say, hey, we're going to vote and take all your stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, Federalist number 10, as well as Federalist 51, are two really common ones. But what I want to say is I want to read a quote from the Right Honorable Edmund Burke. Burke was the original conservative, the founder of the movement, and we didn't really formally found it like it was a club or anything, but he's the guy. If you really want to know what it means to be a conservative, you just follow up on Edmund Burke's work. And in his most famous book, Reflections on the Revolution in France, written in 1790, he said the following. Wise men will apply their remedies to vices, not to names, to the causes of evil which are permanent, not to the occasional organs by which they act and the transitory modes in which they appear. And what Burke meant was don't enact a permanent don't enact a permanent solution for a temporary problem and that's what these people are doing right now they're trying to fundamentally alter the way we well you know the way we elect our presidents and the way our country runs in the short term without recognizing that it could have a very bad long-term consequence at some point these very rules they're using they're trying to rig to favor themselves can come back to hurt them well and uh, there's so much in in that but but the fact that it's so unconstitutional i mean there's this this whole progressive movement is stomping all over the constitution but the constitution the u.s constitution put in place uh, a, a, a kind of a social construct between government and the individual that is a, a, has allowed everyday individuals to thrive and prosper like it's never been seen um before in human history. I was thinking about Venezuela. I saw a picture the other day of people lined up uh, waiting for food in Venezuela. And 40 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, Venezuela was a thriving country. And Wealthy. yeah, and people say it can't happen here. It can happen here if we don't make sure that we take care of the things that has made it a possible for everyday individuals to thrive and prosper. It can happen here. And interestingly enough, I think the Electoral College is one of those really important constructs. Now, you, you've uh, got your Ph.D. in higher education. Stephen, there has been a movement on college campuses 
for years to, to try to get rid of the Electoral College. And I could never quite put my brain around it. Um, but in a way, I almost feel that they've been working on this, not just because Trump has been elected, but they've been working on this for a while. Sure. Um, basically, they get frustrated that people in Montana, well, they, you know, the Academy, they really look down on regular people. They, they think the Academy. Yeah. You know, the university, these people in the ivory tower, I had a college, I had a graduate school professor who used to talk about redistributing wealth a lot from big business. And then I would say, well, you know, business is really unstable. You know, we always have to pump money into the business. Why not, instead of big business, we pump, we take it from the most stable profession I can think of, tenured professors. (laughs) Did you get an F in the class? No, but the professor went, I'll never forget it. She then like a turtle retreating into her shell. She crossed her arms and slouched her posture and went, oh, oh no, well, I don't want that. And then I said, oh, you know, suddenly now that it's coming out of your pocket, you don't want to redistribute wealth? And she said, no. And then she changed the subject real quickly. Wow. And so the bottom line is that these people tend to have no skin in the game. And when you have no skin in the game, it's no skin off your back. And that... These policies, you know, these far-left policies, places like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, the whole West Coast in these large metropolitan areas, they're going to be able to dominate smaller rural areas. The people of Southern California will be dictating what the people of rural North Dakota are doing with their lives. And that's what it's all about. It's all about telling these people, these, you know, these idiots who are in their way, Get out. It's, it's flyover country. Sure, yeah, yeah. Who there's this huge disdain for. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, so what that means is these population centers will then make the decision on how much to take away from the people in flyover counties so that they can continue the policies that they have been um, you know, putting through in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, and New York. And they really, really don't work. And, and uh, we don't have a lot of time, but New York... My you know, home state. Your home state. Uh, it was very tragic that they just passed this abortion bill. Oh. And, and so, and if, if you don't know what happened, and that was just last week in New York, they passed a bill that um, said that there could be late-term abortions, and if the baby was born alive, that the baby could be killed. I mean, and, and then they lit up, was it the Empire State Building? They lit up some large building, maybe the Chrysler Building, something yeah. pink to support this. And so, in essence, then, I mean, you take this national popular vote, and that is going to be taking money. They can vote to take money from the people in flyover county, uh, country to actually pay for the stuff, the decisions that they're making there, which is totally against federalism. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like the, the entire thrust of federalism. And federalism means that each state basically is more sovereign. Uh, you know what? Stephen Kessler, we're just about out of time. Sure. There's the, so many things I wanted to... So you've got to come back next month, okay? Sure, yeah. There's um, In Russell Kirk's The Roots of American Order, which is a brilliant, brilliant book of his, he talks about federalism, if you want to Google it. Okay, and federalism was really the idea that, that states generally were pretty much sovereign. You, you would make... It was an experiment. Each state could generally 
make their own decisions on how to govern govern themselves as long as it didn't go against the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. And that's why this SB 19042 right here in Colorado is so dangerous is because it stomps all over the U.S. Constitution and the Electoral College. So make sure that you go and read it, understand it, and be talking with your friends and family and understand why it is a bad idea. We have to know why we we believe what we believe. Stephen Kessler, when you're Federalist in studio with us. Federalist 10, Federalist 63, and Federalist 51. I highly recommend those three Federalist papers. Okay, so that's your homework. And speaking of that, <laughs> I, I forgot to mention it, Vino and Veritas, that uh, I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter. We're doing a study of the Federalist Papers. Our first one was just this last Monday night. We're going to be going through the whole thing in 2019. If you want more information, email me, kim at com. I love hearing from you. So uh, let's uh, finish up the show here. Alexander Hamilton in 1788 said the Republican principle demands that the deliberate sense of the community should govern the conduct of those to whom they entrust the management of their affairs. But it does not require an unqualified compliance to every sudden breeze of passion or to every transient impulse which the people may receive from the arts of men who flatter their prejudices to betray their interests. And it made me think of SB 19042. So, hey, today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Same time tomorrow. Have a great day.